Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Finance Podcast, where we bring you developments from Guernsey's financial services industry. If you haven't listened to our previous podcasts already, you can do so on your preferred podcast platform or via the on-demand page at our website, weareguernsey.com. Huge welcome from me. My name's Paul Eaton, and I'm the Commercial ILS Director at Horseshoe. I'm delighted to host this podcast on behalf of Guernsey Finance. And Guernsey Finance, for those of you that don't know, is the agency that promotes the island of Guernsey's specialist financial services in its respective chosen markets. And we use the brand We Are Guernsey. For those not familiar with Guernsey, the island is a leading global finance centre and has been for many years with substance, stability and security committed to the cause of sustainable finance as a member of several United Nations environmental initiatives and has been proactive in developing sustainable products and services. Today, I'm excited to bring you a discussion around insurance-linked securities and how Guernsey and its finance industry can offer solutions to connect capital with reinsurance. I'm pleased to be joined by four guests. I have Eric Pear, who is Head of Capital Advisory at Aon Benfield. I also have Rodri Lane, Managing Director, Head of International Capital Markets, Aon Securities. Kate Storey, who's a partner at Walkers. And Robbie Andrade, who is COO at the International Stock Exchange. Big welcome to my panellists. So without further ado, I'd like to dive straight in and um, just a couple of words from me before we get going. And the first question is for you, Eric. There's been some some great news over the past two, two, two years and in the, in the ILS market, but more recently, some great news around um, Lloyd syndicates being backed by ILS and pension fund capital. I'm talking about the the CFC syndicate. There's also the the Lloyd's initiative forming London Bridge Risk PCC, and um, and much more recently the the news that the the Lloyd's Central Fund has has purchased some reinsurance using a Guernsey structure. So, firstly, congratulations to Aon and to Lloyd's for for having having got this um, completed. I know. It was a long project. And um, what I'd like to ask you, Eric, is perhaps could you start this discussion going by by letting us know what's going on um, globally around ILS structures? How are they being used to help our clients optimise and structure their capital? Well, first, thank you for all the uh, kind words on the mentioning both uh, the CFC syndicate and, and the central fund, which are two transactions they brought to market. Uh, they're two very different but both effectively um, a low access to uh, different type of investors uh, to back uh, insurance risk in, in general and Lloyd's insurance risk in particular. So maybe j- just taking one step back before we, we sort of uh, detail uh, those transactions. Um, ILS is very efficient uh, to cover tail risk. Um, the type of investor attracted, whether it's through CAD bonds or the structure, are usually looking for low expected loss, uh, so low, low frequency, high severity type risk that diversify very well into their own portfolio. Um, and given the way the solvency regime works uh, in Europe, in particular under Solvency 2, either the sort of general rule that applies to to, to all insurance companies or, or the way Lloyd's itself has adapted Solvency 2. Uh, basically, the there is a balance between the capital you require and the capital you have, right? So namely the SCR, uh, Solvency uh, Capital Requirements, and the own funds. And the solvency ratio, which is a measure of solvency uh, quality, 
is the ratio of the own fund by ACR. So if you want to improve your solvency, you either bring new funds, so raise equity, issue sub-debt, or uh, have any sort of contribution to capital, or you try to reduce your SCR, your, your capital requirement. And that's what reinsurance can do, uh, and in particular to ILS transaction, is reducing the solvency capital requirement, which is based on a stress test, very far down, relatively far down the tail, around up to the one in 200, so 0.5% uh, probability. Um, and that's really... Uh, how this type of risk transfer to the ILS market can actually help the solvency uh, optimization of, of clients. So if, if we look at the Lloyds transaction, uh, what, what's really interesting is that historically, Lloyds has only played on, on the side of capital. They've raised, um, they've constituted a, a central fund, as it is called, which is a buffer of capital to cover potential failure of individual syndicates. And this is this central fund that allows Lloyds to uh, basically have the A plus uh, SP rating they have, and also, um, which makes the attractiveness of the marketplace that every syndicate, however small it is, benefit from the rating of the World Corporation of Lloyds. So historically, uh, it's been uh, raising that that amount of funds through uh, central fund levies from syndicates and more recently raising sub-debts. This is uh, a groundbreaking transaction because Lloyds has now done uh, something many other insurers or insurers have done before, which is manage a capital requirement through a tail protection uh, that via a reinsurance transaction. Part of that reinsurance transaction uh, is, is channeled through the reinsurance market, but the bulk of it, about two-thirds of it, uh, £450 million, pounds, is channeled through uh, an investment bank, in that case, JP Morgan, through uh, an ICC in Guernsey called Constellation. So this is really um, using that efficiency of tail cover to beef up solvency, and it's been done in Guernsey. We'll probably come back to that uh, because of the established and, and very efficient regulation that we have locally. Thank you for that, Eric. Uh, just, I mean, perhaps just one quick follow-up question before we move on. What um, did, did did Lloyd's look at a number of different domiciles when they were thinking about this transaction, or was it was it something particular about Guernsey that appealed? I mean, I, I'm interested that they picked a, a, an IC and incorporated cell. Was was that really was that around Guernsey's offering? Well, I, I, I think the, um, you know, you, when you do a groundbreaking transaction and you do something quite new and innovative, I mean, you, you, you can't really innovate or fall fronts. And so having a, a recognized domicile where the, the bank or the, the, in particular was very comfortable with and I've already had experience um, of transaction in that environment, uh, basically made everyone comfortable. So we, we could be quite innovative and creative on the structure itself. But uh, there was no doubt that the uh, regulatory environment would be solid. So that, that was really helpful. But that was really what the main reason why we which was going to. Fantastic. Thank you, Eric. I mean, just thinking more now, and perhaps Rodri, perhaps you could comment around this, thinking more around what's been happening in the, the international reinsurance and insurance market over the past 18 months. There's been a, a lot of activity and we've read lots of commentary around rate hardening. We've obviously had COVID and we've had the whole fallout from 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 that and potential insurance and reinsurance claims, startups, lots of restructuring. What um what's been happening from your viewpoint um in the, the, the reinsurance market over the past eighteen months? Yeah, great. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Um yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, certainly I'll focus more on the ILS side of the, the equation, but um, 
Yeah, it's been quite an interesting month, uh, 18 months in the ILS space. I mean, to some degree, if you look a little bit further back beyond, you know, the beginning of 2020, um, there's been further digestion uh, in the market from from losses that have, um, you know, impacted the market from 2017 and beyond sort of year to date. And they've all had sort of imp- interesting, each, each of the, the losses and the events that have occurred have had interesting implications for the ILS market. And when I'm sort of speaking about the ILS market at the moment, I'm kind of generally speaking about um, sort of collateralized products like uh, collateralized reinsurance and cat bonds, sidecars and, and, and ILWs to, to some degree. I said kind of the spectrum of, of ILS placements that, um, that, that that exist in the market. And each one of these 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 products, I'd say, has gone through uh, quite a bit of a testing over the last you know, four years really, and and again, that that continues has continued to bear out in um, in, in the last eighteen months, and, in, and particularly in twenty twenty, with certain structures being uh, being impaired and continue to be impaired, and certain collateral being being tied up and, and held, um, you know, and ultimately released or or paid to cedents uh, over time. And so, each one of these products, I think, as Eric somewhat alluded to, um, has a certain place in kind of the, the capital stack, and if you're talking. About about cap bonds in particular, you know, generally they're a bit, they're a bit lower risk profile, and and you know, where sidecars, collateralized, proportional products are, sort of up and down the, um, the 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 sort of the risk profile of any given season. So, investors in the ILS space certainly have been experiencing, and, and a lot of the investors uh, offer diverse investments across those kind of four products. And so, there's been, um, as I sort of touched on, a bit of digestion uh, of the preceding years. I think probably. Uh, the, the the biggest interesting the most interesting thing and the kind of the easiest to point to in the ILS space is is how the the cat bond market has kind of uh, as a, as a bellwether for the rest of collateralized products has kind of responded uh, in the last eighteen months. I mean, you alluded to to COVID as being a um, a dramatic market implication, and and certainly as a as a financial instrument, as a tradable and financial instrument, uh, the cat bond product is certainly something that's that's easy to look at and, and probably the most visible from all the ILS reinsurance products that are out in the market. And so, I mean, just looking at 2020, we had a, a record cap bond issuance year, uh, circa $11 billion, uh, for the property cap bond space, um, despite a massive uh, sort of hiccup in the financial markets uh, following, you know, this roughly this time last year uh, and, and early in, in, in the second quarter of 2020. And I think what's kind of interesting is that the, the cap bond space and the ILS space more broadly has has been resilient during that financial market turmoil. I mean, one of the key tenets of the ILS space is that it's a diversifier for large pools of capital to uh, to their traditional equity and fixed income and other other sort of real estate investment products. And this is a diversifying asset class. And the fact that the asset class was resilient and held its value um, generally relative to those other asset classes has been has been very positive for the space. As I said. Despite the hiccup, there was a record issuance year last year, and and coming into 2021, we've already. I mean, we last year there were something like 46 property cat bond issuances. This year, we've already had about 25, and we're not even technically through the end of the first half of the year. Um, and we're you know almost up to seven and a half billion dollars of issuance, 7.3 roughly at this time so far. And and again, speaking about bonds specifically as a bellwether and indicator of the broader market. Market, um, you know, we continue to see limits. You know, the average issue in size last year was, you know, under 250 million, and that's 
um, you know, we're about 20% higher for the average issuance size this year. And pricing continues to tighten. Um, so, so I think all of that really is indicative of, you know, there's an environment of significant demand for ILS capacity from CEDANs or sponsors. And that that um, demand is being met by, you know, healthy amounts of capital from the ILS investors that, that having survived or having, you know, prove their worth, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, having demonstrated their value, I guess is a better way to say it. Um, in the last 18 months, um, you know, they have capital to deploy and it's been, uh, you know, successful for, for both sides of the coin. Thanks, Roger. I mean, I, I, what I'm taking from that is that there's a, there's a real maturity in the in the ILS asset class um, developing now, and it's been around, obviously, been with us for for, um, for 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 more than a decade. But the way it's being used in conjunction with traditional reinsurance really is showing that maturity. And um, Eric, coming back to you, thinking about how ILS structures are put together, and given that there is choice globally now. Around um, around the world, different places around the world where you can you can use to to, to structure um, your ILS transaction. When uh, when you're talking to clients and considering how best to structure their transactions, how how important is the flexibility of the the regulations and the the reputation of the the domicile that you're considering? Well, it's obviously obviously key, right? I mean, I'll start by the reputation. I mean, you you want a place where. Um, you get certainty of, of the rules we're going to apply, and, and you want sort of uh, sort of clean environment. And of course, in Gern, they provide that, and Bermuda provide that, and all the places do. Um, the flexibility then becomes the, the next question, right? Um, and um, speed of response if you go a little bit outside of the box, um, and also speed in general of, of processing the whole um, application, because usually when um, we get to the creation of the vehicle. Uh, there's been already a lot of work done on the structure and the intention of the party and so on. So you, you want that phase to be as, as, as easy uh, and predictable as, as possible. Um, now, of course, I mean, Gern, there has an history of, um, you know, efficiency and, 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 uh, and, and sort of uh, proven track record. Um, there's Quite a few companies operating there and providing services. You know, um, obviously, in, in the case of Floyd, I mentioned before, we used uh, White Rock, which is all, all in-house sort of entity. But of course, as you know personally, there are many very respectable ones as well, and they are for the clients a, a very important channel to sort of explain what's going to be needed, uh, what the regulator will want, uh, what the process will be uh, through that. So, um, yeah, it, it's a key element. Um, you know, just you mentioned briefly um, London Bridge and, and the initiative of um, the domestic UK ILS market. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how that develops because the PRA is a regulator behind that. Historically, uh, they've not been yet as nimble as what we've seen in Bermuda or Guernsey. Uh, so it really remains to be seen whether, you know, London catch up on, on this as well. Because... You know, it's, the solidity is there in the three domiciles. If you just pick these three, again, the Bermuda, London. Uh, but currently, I have to say, uh, two of them, uh, Gernsey and Bermuda in particular, have proved to be more reactive and nimble. And for the client, this is important because the last thing you want is when you get to that phase of the transaction to not be able to predict whether you'll have an answer in a couple of days or weeks or whether the thing may drag on. 
great, great points, Eric. Thank you. Yes, and, and, and I can see absolutely speed, speed of being able to execute is is of paramount importance. And I suppose just just thinking more about Guernsey and perhaps one for for Kate. I think it's fair to say that Guernsey has got a number of features within its regulatory toolkit that offer advantages to ILS structures. I wonder perhaps if you could just run us through some of the the differentiators that clients might think about. Yeah, so it was really nice to hear Eric talk about how Guernsey is a well-respected jurisdiction um, and its experience in in insurance management, um, which is one of the reasons why it uh, it attracted the Lloyd Central Fund deal, um, which it was great to have been domiciled in in Guernsey. Um, But there's also uh, a number of flexibilities in its regime that Guernsey has um, over more advantageous flexibilities than um, alternative ILS jurisdictions like Bermuda. And I'll just talk about some of those um, additional flexibilities that Guernsey does have. Um, so first of all, um, there's, there's greater flexibility on um, collateral, uh, what collateral can be used to support ILS transactions. So ILS transactions can be 100% collateralised by contingent capital in Guernsey, including reinsurance, letter of credit, partly paid share capital and other forms of contingent capital that are approved by the Guernsey regulator. Alternatively, the capital can be fully paid in in the usual way or there can be a combination of paid in and contingent capital. So that's a really good uh, flexibility uh, there, which isn't often appreciated. Um, There's no risk-based regulatory capital requirement at all for Guernsey special purpose insurers uh, that the SPI must simply be fully funded or collateralised at all times. Um, There's also flexibility on uh, being able to to provide for clawback uh, um, of distributions made to investors and also uh, to require top-up Uh, of the collateral um, by investors if it's contractually provided for in the arrangements. Uh, Again, that's a distinction from other jurisdictions. Uh, There are no prescriptive requirements on the investments that can be made by the special purpose insurer, provided that in practice the the fully funded requirement can be met. Um, And that was the reason why Guernsey was chosen to house a new SPI structure for uh, mortgage ILS. And that, the, Guernsey was chosen over, over Bermuda for, for that structure. There's, uh, Guernsey was also the first jurisdiction to introduce a 30-day collateral rollover relief, whereby there's a 30-day grace period um, following renewal to comply with a fully funded requirement. And that's proved um, really useful in practice. Uh, it's possible for a Guernsey SPI collateralised reinsurer to get a dual licence to do both life and general business in different cells of the cell company. And again, that's not possible in alternative ILS jurisdictions. And there's a variety of structures capable of being licensed by the Guernsey regulator to, to do these ILS transactions, including protected cell companies, incorporated cell companies, um, limited partnership structures, and hybrid investment fund and insurance cell companies, whereby you have investment fund cells and special purpose insurer cells within the same cell company. And that provides the efficiencies of having everything within one structure and provides efficiencies of cash flows between the cells in the same structure. 
Uh, there's a fast-track licensing regime whereby sales can be licensed post-deal, provided the notification is made to the Guernsey regulator within seven days post-deal. So there really is a very, very flexible regime here. Uh, it's a very straightforward, clear framework, which Eric alluded to. Um, and as I say, really great flexibility on the collateral requirements and the investments that can be made of that collateral. And all in a, in a very well-respected jurisdiction, Guernsey's EU and OECD whitelisted. Um, and Guernsey's collateralised reinsurance regime facilitates capital relief for Solvency II cedents to the extent of the collateralisation. There's no need for the SBI to be rated. Um, the the collateralised reinsurance um, works for, for Solvency II cedents. So it, it, it really is all round a, a very beneficial and flexible regime. It's it's interesting actually, Kate. I mean, obviously there are there are other domiciles around the world that are popular for, for for ILS as well as Guernsey, and some of those domiciles have have quite rigid frameworks in how they um, how they govern and how they they regulate structures. And it does seem to me that that, that Guernsey offers a, mu- a much more pragmatic and open door type policy when when clients want to talk about what they want to achieve. Is is that your experience with the with the regulations here? Absolutely, the Guernsey rec- regulator is really. Rest- Receptive to to new ideas, new structures, um, and you know they've been really helpful with um, the hybrid structure, which was a new initiative that uh, Guernsey came out with uh, a few years ago now, um, and the fact that they will license limited partnerships to to do insurance. So there's a range of structures that they will look at, and as I say, the the special purpose insurers rules themselves are drafted deliberately flexibly flexibly um, to allow the regulator to approve um, various forms of, of, of collateral and, and structure. Robbie, turning to um, to ties now and just thinking um, around investors, and I, th- I think certainly from my perspective and from, from commentary I've read in, in the press, there is a desire, of course, for liquidity. Um, in, in in structures that are that are being invested in, or the ability to, to to be able to have your your transactions um, listed. Obviously, ties that's ties' speciality, and I wonder how how perhaps you could talk a little bit more about how um, how ties as a as an organisation can can help complement all of the the Guernsey offerings that we've been speaking about today. Sure. Uh, thanks for that, Paul. I wonder if I could start a bit more broadly, if that's all right. Um, as an exchange, you know, we are part of Guernsey's infrastructure and offering, but we're also highly connected to the global capital markets ecosystem. The issuers we have listed are domiciled from over 30 countries with over 3,000 securities listed, totaling a market cap of 400 billion plus, which is remarkable given our size. Um, We're also a leading venue for high-yield bonds and other debt securities ranging from private equity, corporate bonds to complex securitization vehicles. We also have approximately 40% of the UK REIT market, which is fantastic. And compared to similar size exchanges that have 1,000 or so listings and dominate niche markets like ILS, are offering expertise and experience in the wider, wider capital markets is very well known. We're open to listing both ILS bonds and also ILS funds. Our listing rules for equity and bond securities are proportionate to the product type and investor type. And, you know, like 
the local regulator here, we uh, operate an open door um, and, you know, we want to talk to those putting structures together or indeed the investors. We operate a responsive service and consistent service as well. Um, looking to turn around applications within three days. And actually this year, um, we've managed to turn around 30% of our applications within two days. Uh, and then subsequent responses within a two day timeframe, if not sooner. This is also complemented by the presence of a range of experienced listing members who can facilitate ILS, uh, ILS listings on ties. Our listing fees are competitive and ties as a number of international recognitions which enhance our credibility in the market, but also widen the potential investor base. These range from HMRC to the SEC, the Australian Securities Exchange and the, regulate, the German regulator BaFin. Indeed, USIT funds established in many of the leading EU fund domiciles can invest into ties listed securities as part of their listed allocation. Um, Sustainability is also um, an increasingly important topic, and I'm delighted to say that TIES is not only a partner of the UN Sustainable Stock Exchange Initiative, sorry, but we also have a specific market segment, TIES Sustainable, to accommodate issuers who are undertaking environmental, social and sustainable activities. This complements what is being achieved locally for Guernsey Insurers. Finally, location. Whilst ties might not be a tried and tested route for ILS, a lot of deals and structuring are arranged in Guernsey and ties is the local exchange. Guernsey and the other Crown dependencies are very well regulated and maintain good relations for transparency with the EU and the UK. We are also a regulated market based in the European time zone, but outside both the UK and the EU, making it an ideal conduit for accessing Europe whilst being free from EU directives and regulations. Yet our own legislation and regulations are proportionate. So ties is and can be a very viable alternative to your more traditional exchanges for ILS. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for that, Robbie. Um, just, I suppose, thinking more about um, other aspects that make domiciles attractive and things that investors are thinking about. And, and Roger, I'd like to flick back to you on this one, if I can. Um, I think we've uh, we, we've seen that, that Guernsey has, um, has brought into being a, a new green framework, ESG framework. And um, I guess that opens up the question for me more around what sort of considerations potential clients are given to the choice of domicile when they're, 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 they're setting up a, a new ILS structure and thinking particularly about these more, um, more popular um, ideas that are, that are coming through, Rodri. Yeah, um, great. Yeah, thank you. And I, maybe I'll just quickly echo, I mean, uh, in terms of considerations for for, for where to domicile, I guess. I think a lot of the, the peers on this call have, have, have mentioned it, but certainly robust financial infrastructure. I think Eric said it, but a, a, a recognized domicile certainly is is critical when you're structuring a, a vehicle, whether it be a sort of a PCC to deploy capital or as a seedant or sponsor of, uh, um, you know, looking to access uh, capacity, um, you know, having that structure of and sort of ecosystem of reinsurance specialists, banking, financial institutions, uh, legal counsel, and all the things that, um, you know, are helpful is critical. Um, it was touched upon a few times already. Timeline, project timelines are, are critical and, and, and ability to, 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 you know, to deploy and as a regulator to, to rely upon the, the ecosystem that you've got in place is certainly, certainly critical for 
um, you know, for clients look at looking to, to to establish an ILS framework. Um, and that, that goes without saying with all, with all the domiciles that are, you know, sort of around the globe. And there are more and more domiciles uh, showing up. But again, Guernsey is certainly obviously a, a recognized domicile um, of choice. And I think the one thing that probably I think, Paul, what you're alluding to is, is quite interesting. And I imagine some of the some of the team on this call um, have, have some comments on this, but it's certainly an elevated point right now, and it's it's it is the ESG component that that is in the market. Um, certainly, the industry as a whole is um, you know is, is an industry based around sort of resilience um, and and rebuilding as a, as a you know as an insurance and reinsurance. Um, uh, business practice. Um, that, that's what the, the design is. But a, as investors in particular um, are looking to to demonstrate, you know, that they are investing responsibly and with ESG and, 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 and green initiatives in the, in the back of their mind and certainly as part of their portfolio management process. I mean, that is a topic that is consistently coming up um, where when I, when I am involved and when Aon Securities is involved in, in, in um, helping facilitate a placement of, uh, again, a bond, for example, or a sidecar or securitized instrument to investors is, you know, what is the underlying um, ESG compliance of, of, the, um, of the structure? And of the client in particular, um, from from an investor's perspective, that's that's an interesting point for them, or a very, a, a very interesting or a heightened level uh, of requirement for these these investors to deploy capital. And I think, you know, Guernsey certainly has been promoting um, um, its ability to have the the ESG and the green the green stamp or the green sort of badge process that. There is a framework in place in, um, that that allows for, um, you know, demonstrating a uh, an adherence to, to green initiatives is, uh, I think, a differentiator for for Guernsey as a jurisdiction as a domicile, um, and you know, uh, again, I think. It will continue to be uh, to be so um, for the space, and certainly something that we'll, you know, advising clients and and uh, and investors are are aware of. And um, maybe I'll pause there, Paul. Yeah, thank you for that, uh, Rodrigo. Of course, Robbie had mentioned briefly about ties green, and we can go back to that if time allows. But. Um I guess just thinking more around Guernsey and what really triggered the, uh, the the motivation for the Guernsey International Insurance Association to create the ESG framework. Kate, I know that um, you've had some involvement with this. wondered if you might be able to perhaps just talk a little bit further about how this came to being and what it, uh, what it enables. Yeah, well, ESG considerations are becoming a normal part of corporate governance for, for all companies and, and particularly perhaps for, for the insurance sector. Um, and the Guernsey International Insurance Association really wanted to take the lead in developing a sort of single framework for being able to build in and implement ESG considerations into insurance companies' activities. And so this this is a world first, really, um, a framework that um, covers four pillars, uh, governance, risks underwritten, investments held and reporting um, and how all of those activities build into implementing um, and achieving sustainable development goals. because it has been said that a bar to progress on the ESG agenda is uh, the lack of a single 
framework, a single coherent framework that people can um, adhere to and report on. And so that's the idea behind this framework that um, Guernsey has developed for for Guernsey insurers. Um, And um, it's all based on the UN's sustainable development goals and sustainable insurance principles. Um, And Guernsey insurers can choose to adopt the framework uh, and self-certify that they comply with it um, or they can go a step further and get a third party accreditation kite mark um, to say that they are satisfying all of these um, UN based uh, principles. So um, yeah, Guernsey really want to take the lead on this because it is, it's just, as I say, part of um, it's become, it's become part of normal corporate governance um, and, and just needs to be considered and implemented by insurance companies. Thanks, Kate. And certainly from my perspective, I'm seeing lots and lots of interest in that framework, which is which is great news and good to see Guernsey leading the way in this, um, in this area. Robbie, coming back to you, um, one thing I think it might be interesting just to touch upon is whilst, um, and this is my understanding certainly, whilst ties doesn't have the volumes that other exchanges have that operate in the, in the ILS space, you have certainly been involved at the forefront of some innovative listings. And um, I wonder perhaps if you wanted to touch on that. Thanks, Paul. Um, the theme for the ILS event is innovation. And the exchange has certainly been home to some innovative ILS listings. Um, we actually have a few examples. Um, in 2011, uh, the private cap bond transaction issued by Solid and Marie, Iger IC was the first to be listed on any exchange worldwide. Uh, in 2014, our exchange listed uh, a pioneering program in the form of a European insurance group, or the sorry, the European insurance group FWAG Salam Free Limited. This unique deal transacted uh, an Islamic bond and was the first securitization of Sharia compliance insurance policies. And in 2018, ties welcomed what is believed to be the first listing on a regulated exchange of notes digitized on a blockchain. Dom Maria, a cell of Solidum Guernsey, issued notes on a private blockchain, the ILS blockchain, which replaced the traditional settlement system of the issuance of notes. Um, but also continuing on the, the theme of of innovation and another innovative first, the very first humanitarian catastrophe bond covering pure volcanic eruption was completed using a Guernsey RLS structure. And Ties is currently preparing to welcome Replexus ICC Guernsey as a listing member in order to facilitate the listing of Dunant Re-IC. As you know, the $3 million privately placed issuance is sponsored by the Danish Red Cross and was brought to market by Replexus and Halden Capital Markets. So those bonds were settled using Replexus' unique blockchain-based ILS platform. Um, the catastrophe bond covers the risk of an eruption um, of 10 volcanoes across the three continents and the capital set is set to be used to support humanitarian aid in the aftermath of, a, of an eruption. So the many firsts that have involved ties is telling and demonstrates not just ours, but Guernsey's credential in ILS. And with Replexus joining as a member of ties, we hope that this is another first of many. Thanks, Robbie. That's that's great to hear. Well, look, we're almost out of time in this podcast, but I um, I had just one final question that I thought that I'd let everybody um, give a, a quick response to. 
lots of talk um, in, in in our industry around innovation and efficiency, and as the as the the amount of investments in in ILS ramp up and the the the, the use. Um, complements the use of the, the the traditional market efficiency and, and innovation has become quite uh, quite quite hot topics buzzwords in the in the industry so my question is what do you think those innovations and efficiencies could be in our industry what do you think might uh, might might happen over the next couple of years so open question for any of my panelists to um, jump into I think more use of parametric triggers. I think that's that's going to be the real developing theme over coming years. What about um, what about the use of blockchain? Obviously, we know that that that, that Solidum started off with some um, some innovations in the blockchain area, and um, that was that was definitely a world first. Do you th- do you see blockchain becoming a, a a more widely used tool as as markets interact with each other? I think so. Um, that's certainly the way uh, things are heading. We're looking at fintech and innovation around that, and blockchain has um, is a, a secure um, way of settling. Um, and hopefully, as a result of you know what's what's happened in Guernsey with ILS blockchain, that you know it can add as a become a, a bit of a pace setter, a trendsetter for the future of settlement. Eric Rodri, from your side, is there is there desire from from your customers to, to to improve processes or think more about how things can be can be innovated and structured? Yeah, I think I think certainly in a um, sort of a free form answer, but I think the, um, the, the blockchain certainly offers um, an ability to. Um, uh, what's been done in Guernsey so far is an ability to streamline processing and perhaps um, you know minimize the number of hands that need to be involved in a transaction and uh, certainly uh, efficient use of collateral management and collateral release and collateral transfer I think is, is critical um, um, in you know uh, which is captured in the smart contracts that that are being being promoted I, to answer your question more more generally about what I think innovative will, will be I, I, this sort of goes back to what I was describing in my initial response was around, um, you know, we've had a bit of maturation, I guess, in, in, in the market over the last several years. And that always kind of comes after tests and, and uh, or losses or loss events. And I think, you know, some of the stuff that Kate touched on around collateral management and collateral flexibility, um, I think is, is going to be an area to, to, to watch for, for a while. And I, it sounds like Guernsey, um, obviously, as Kate outlined, Guernsey has an ability to, to be more flexible with some of the collateral management. And that, that, that's interesting. And I think the, the collateral management that's required for the various ILS contracts that are being entered into in the domicile. And I think just how the events have unfolded over the last several years, I think that'll be an area to watch. And what I would add, maybe from a different perspective, is that I cannot really predict what what sort of innovation we'll see. But one lesson from the from the lawyer's transaction on the investor side it, it was their willingness to understand a rather complex structure. Right, if you think about um, the chain of security at Lloyd's and the way the central fund works and all the thing, I mean, that this is miles away from a sort of simple. Uh, if you take the other extreme of the spectrum, say. Uh, a sort of parametric based CAD bond, for instance, right? So the fact that we have now investors 
ready to and willing to invest time and effort to understand more bespoke needs um, and, and ask for facts and data on, on, on more specific issue. I see that as, as a very, very uh, important and positive sign that we will be able to innovate and, and, and channel more bespoke and more sophisticated transaction to investors. Thanks, Eric. And I think that's about all we've got time for today. So listen, I'd just like to wrap this up very quickly. Um, It's quite clear to me that um, the ILS market is continuing to evolve and mature. And that's that's fantastic for us in our industry. And Guernsey, from from its perspective, um, is definitely very much open for business. As Kate talked about, the flexible regulations and the very solid infrastructure we have around the island, Um, listing services and the the, the new ESG framework, which I'm sure is going to be fantastic fantastically popular. And of course, great news about the, the Lloyd's deal. So I'd just like to thank my guests, Eric, Rodri, Kate and Robbie for all their insight today. And uh, thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the insurance sector in Guernsey, Guernsey Finance will be hosting an ILS Insight webinar on the 13th of July. Head over to our website at weareguernsey.com to register. And there's also uh, an information sheet about its specialist financial services sector that you can download there. To listen to more podcasts of this nature, check out the We Are Guernsey podcast on your platform. Until then, it's goodbye from Guernsey.